0: Open up your Bibles if you have a copy of the Bible. If you don't, uh, you're welcome to take one of your devices or you can follow along on the screen. But we're going to be in the Old Testament. We're going to be about right there. If you look, we're going to be about right there in the Bible, in the book of 1 Kings, chapter 17. So if you open your Bible about, I don't know, about a fifth of the way, somewhere in there you should be able to find 1 Kings. Go to the Old Testament in your table of contents and look for 1 Kings, chapter 17. I just wonder how many of us have a hard time settling down and really bringing our hearts to the service because we got so much stuff going on in our minds. Amen? Do you ever find that to be the case? I mean, really, and part of, no offense, Ryan, but, but part of you guys' ministry is to kind of help us settle down a little bit. Amen? I mean, you might have been literally getting out of the car with the kids and kind of you you, you wanted to slam the door, but you knew you were at church, so you kind of slid it down. Yeah, but, amen? Maybe you had a hard day at work. Maybe, especially with this weekend. Maybe you're still kind of torn up inside. Because being with family and some of the different dynamics and, man, we haven't seen each other for a year. And how's that going to be? And last time we weren't talking and... And these people aren't talking, and are they coming this time, and how's that going to work out? And those things that we struggle with are real, aren't they? They make a difference. They have an impact on our lives, even on a daily basis. And they are not easy many times. That's why we're doing a series called It's Complicated, because our lives are complicated. God's given us our lives and our homes, and He wants them to work and to be blessed, but many times they are so far away from what He created for them to be. And we talked about that a few weeks ago. We talked about really what they should be, but they're not. Amen? And so over the last few weeks, we've been talking about what they actually are. And as we look at our lives as they actually are, we have to admit we need God's help. We need God to show us what it is that He wants us to be and how it is He wants us to live. And, and Lord, it's not what You created it to be, but how do we get from here to there, or at least closer to what You intended for it to be? And today, this weekend, we're going to talk about one of the hardest situations that a person could ever find themselves in. And I don't mean to say that to make it seem absolutely unbearable or absolutely impossible But I say that to be honest. We're talking about it's complicated. And today, this weekend, we're talking about when you are a single parent. Now, I understand that that's not going to directly relate to every person in this room's lives. Well, that's okay, because a single parent was sitting here when we were talking about marriage. Amen? So they were listening to that message. And every time we come to God's word, God has something for us. So I trust that today, this weekend, as we open up God's word to a powerful passage in 1 Kings chapter 17 verses 8 through 16 that God is going to speak to each one of our hearts. As God's people, we should be concerned about people who find their lives in very difficult situations. Amen. We should be concerned about widows. We should be concerned about orphans. We should be concerned about sex trafficking. We should be concerned about people who are poor, people who are hungry, whether that's halfway around the world or whether that's halfway across our community. What are we going to do, church family? Amen. What are we going to do about that? We need to be the kind of church. We need to be the people of God to help people in those situations. And, And this is just kind of an extra for this weekend. But how are we? I don't have the answer tonight. We're not going to figure it out tonight. But we've got to figure out. And by the way, it shouldn't be that complicated. It shouldn't be that hard. It shouldn't be that much of a stretch. If we are the people of God, we've got to figure out who are the people that are hurting. And how's God going to get His help to those people through us? Amen? One of those very hard situations To be honest with you, one that we would normally maybe not think of in an extreme kind of a way, such as uh, I mentioned some of those things that I mentioned, poverty or orphans or, or things like that. We may not always think of them as that dramatic, but one of the hardest roles in this world is the role of being a single parent. And sometimes what makes that so hard is the fact that many times it's not as visibly visibly obvious. It may appear that their life is going along uh, seemingly in, in a way much like maybe yours is. And we may not realize how much help a person needs who's in that situation. But the Lord does, and that's why I want to start with this thought. Being a single parent is extremely hard. Extremely difficult. Let's start by reading 1 Kings chapter 17 verses 8 through 12. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to him. Now we're jumping in the middle of a narrative of a story here. And so this story is about a prophet, one of the greatest prophets in the whole Bible. And it's the prophet Elijah. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to him, came to Elijah, saying, we don't know how exactly God spoke to him, but apparently God very clearly spoke to Elijah. And he said, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and stay there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he, Elijah, rose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, and I've told you this before, when you read the Bible and it says the word behold, that's almost supposed to be like, can you believe it? Can you believe it? Surprise! Surprise! God said, Elijah, you're in the middle of a famine, and I want you to go to this place. And this widow, behold, Elijah, pay attention to this, buddy. That's what the word behold means. Look at, look at this. I'm take note of this. This widow is going to take care of you. And one way I might say it growing up in Georgia, sure enough, sure enough, right? I don't know, I don't know if we use that terminology. Right. I've never heard that much around here. But I remember my granddad saying, sure enough, sure enough, what happened? He came to the gate of the city and behold, sure enough, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, please get me a little water in a jar that I may drink. And she was going to get it. He called her and said, please bring me a piece of bread in your hand. But she said, as the Lord your God lives, I have no bread. Only a handful of flour in the bowl and a little oil in the jar. And behold, to, to, hey, hey, take, pay attention to this. I'm gathering a few sticks that I may go in and prepare for me and my son that we may eat it and die. So, so here's what's going on in these verses. God is at work, and you'll see a map up on the screen that shows us the kingdoms. There was the northern kingdom of Israel. There were, and that was, that was the, the ten tribes. And there were two tribes in Judah, and that was the southern kingdom. And so God was at work here in the book of 1 Kings in the northern kingdom of Israel there that you see on that map. And he's working through this prophet named Elijah. And God tells Elijah to go speak to the king of Israel. He was a very, very bad king. In fact, the Bible says here in 1 Kings that he was one of the worst, if not the worst, king that they had ever had. And God speaks through Elijah and he tells this very bad king named Ahab that it was not going to rain for a very long time. In fact, it was not going to rain for years. And we find out in other parts of God's word that it actually, it was three and a half years that it did not rain. And for a while, if you go back and read um, 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 1-7, through 7, you'll see that in the midst of that drought, God provided for His servant Elijah. Now, in verses 1-7, through 7, He provided through this little brook, through this little creek. But then we find out, as you read through verses 1-7, through 7, that the brook dried up because there was a famine, and God wanted to provide for Elijah, His servant, another way. Now, all of this is important. Don't miss this because these are little details that show us that God cared about Elijah, that God cared about this widow... And that God, in the midst of all those specific details about those individual people that God was at work in their individual lives, God was doing a much bigger plan. And we need to know that, amen? Amen. God is at work in your life. And God is at work in my life. And in the midst of all that, God is working out a much bigger plan for our community and even, could you believe it, He's even doing something in this world that has to do with your life. But God was <clears throat> providing for Elijah, and He did that through this little brook, but then He, he was going to do it in another way. You may have seen a, a post that I put on, on, on um, social media this week. I read this quote, it was a great quote. It said, Because of our proneness, now listen, to look at the bucket and forget the fountain. God has frequently to change his means of supply in order to keep our eyes fixed on the source, which is him. Amen? Do you hear what that's saying? What that's saying is, if we put it a different way, God provides for us in different ways so that we will trust in him and not in his provision. So you get a check in the mail from your grandma who says the Lord put on my heart to send you some money and it was just what you needed. And then the next time you have trouble, you're praying that grandma feels led to send you another check, right? But what we're saying is whether it was grandma or whether it was the IRS giving you that, 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 that money back that they figured out that, that you shouldn't have paid in or whatever it might be, whatever refund it might be, what God is teaching Elijah, and he's really teaching us through Elijah, it's not the source... Or it's not the bucket that we're to pay attention to, but it's the fountain that fills the bucket. Amen? So the Lord was moving Elijah to show him, I'm going to provide for you. It wasn't that brook. Because you know what? When my brook dries up, I start crying. Amen? When my brook dries up, I'm like, oh no, that was my only way, right? But what we really need to realize, like Elijah was, God was the one who gave us the brook. And if the brook dries up, God will provide for my needs. Amen? So listen to this. So Elijah had this nice little brook in the midst of a famine. God decides to send Elijah to Zarephath. Now you see another map up on the screen that shows you in relation to where we were just looking. The northern kingdom of Israel, just above that was this place called Zarephath. And it was not just any place You see, this King Ahab had a wife that many of you maybe have heard about. Her name was Jezebel. Okay, we kind of still use that. That person's a Jezebel. By the way, that's not a compliment, right? That's that's not a very nice thing to say. And if you read about Jezebel, she was not a very nice person, to say the least. In fact, she was very influential in turning the whole nation away from God to worship this God named Baal. And Baal was the fertility god. Baal was the storm god. Okay, and so Baal was the one that they depended on in order for the crops to come because he was a fertility god, and in order for the rains to come for the crops because he was the storm god. And guess what? Zarephath was one of the centers of worship for Baal. So in the midst of a famine where there's no rain, where Baal is the one we're supposed to be depending on as a nation, God sends His prophet right in the epicenter of the worship of that God to show that Baal was a false god and that God was the one. Now listen... All these are important details because we're going to learn about a single mom. And that is our point and our focus. But there is so much that God is doing in this passage. And you might be here right now and being a single parent doesn't have anything to do with your particular life. But God is wanting to say to you, I am going to provide for your needs even in the midst of the worst of all possible circumstances. Amen. And think about how challenging that would have been for Elijah. For him to go in the midst of that and trust in God to continue to provide for Elijah himself. And by the way, he sends him in the midst of a drought here to this place where he's going to kind of be causing trouble and he's going to provide for him, oh sure, through a widow. That would be difficult today. That would have been impossible during that day. That widow really would have had no means to provide for herself Certainly not for someone else. But what Elijah did Elijah do? He got up. He went. And by faith... I love that word, behold. Sure enough. Sure enough. Listen, we read these stories, and, and, and it sounds so cool and so sweet and so you know inspiring. But what if God told you to go to Aviation Mall and there... You're going to meet a security guard, and that security guard is going to be helpful to you tonight. Would you say, oh, sure. Let's load up right now. What if you did stumble to do that? Okay, God, it feels kind of weird. I'm not going to tell anybody. But okay, I'm going to go. Would you not be surprised if, sure enough, sure enough, the first person you see is a security guard? Amen? So let's don't take away from the amazement of this passage. And this is where this widow, this single mom, comes in the picture. As you can imagine, she didn't have much. She was a widow. We don't know how, but somehow she had lost her husband. So she was trying to support herself and her son by herself. Isn't that one of the biggest problems of being a single parent? Isn't it very difficult? Our world, it is, it's not impossible to live off of one income, but our world, especially in the United States, is pretty much lined up with the reality that you're going to have two incomes coming in, right? And just in general... You've got one person pulling that load that we learned about a few weeks ago. God designed that that really a family, the the, the way He made it was so that there'd be a husband and a wife that were pulling that load, a two-person load. So what should we say to a single parent? God bless you, amen? God bless you. You are pulling a huge load. And on top of that, for this lady, she was a widow, but there was a famine. Really, we know from the bigger story, that God was trying to get the attention of a nation. And God was working through this prophet Elijah. And, and by the way, one of the greatest stories in the whole Bible, if you read over one more chapter, 1 Kings chapter 18, all of that kind of comes to a climax. You need to write that down, 1 Kings chapter 18 and read that. But, but she, here she was, she was just living life. And she lost her husband, and she's trying to raise her son, and this famine comes, and on top of that, she lives in the center of the place that her nation set should have been the place to find the answer. She lived in that center of Baal worship. But somehow the answer wasn't coming through. And the point is that like many single parents, this mom had given up hope. And she literally thought that her and her son were not going to make it. Being a single parent is extremely hard. Amen? Financially, emotionally, relationally, physically, going daylight to dark every single day, then going to bed, getting up, doing it again. And like this lady, many times people in that situation have just given up hope. It's too hard. It's too much. I can't do this. But God, I love that phrase. Amen. It's in the Bible many times. But God, amen. But God was up to something in this single mom's life. He saw her. He cared about her. He was bringing help to her. He was bringing hope to her. He was bringing himself to her. He wanted her to know him personally. And he wanted her to know that she was not alone, even though she felt alone. If you're a single parent here today, I hope that that is what God is doing for you. When was the last time you came to church and heard a message about being a single parent? So it kind of makes you think that God is trying to speak to you. Amen. That he's got a message for you. That it's no accident that you're here today. And maybe he's going to do for you what he did for this lady. He's going to give you an opportunity to trust him. We just start to see it happening in these verses as Elijah comes to her house and asks her for some food in a famine. And by the way, it says she recognized that he was a man of God. Isn't that interesting? Did you notice that? Isn't that interesting? This guy walks up to her, he asks her for some water and for some bread. She says, As the Lord your God lives. Isn't that interesting? Somebody says, Well, wasn't Elijah a well known prophet? Well, he is now, right? I mean, he's in the Bible. So if we saw Elijah in Israel, we might not be we might not be so surprised. But many Bible commentators kind of bring up the fact that Elijah, in some sense, is a little bit of a mysterious figure. I don't mean to make that all ghosty. I don't mean that, but but in the sense that he just kind of shows up on the scene. So there is not necessarily overwhelming evidence that this lady's like, oh yeah, he's got on the I'm Elijah T-shirt. I know who this guy is. He's a prophet in Israel. So imagine if you were the security guard that God told one of us to go see an aviation mall, how would you know? That's a man of God coming your way. Isn't that kind of interesting? By the way, if you're waiting for me to answer, I don't know the answer. I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to answer that for you. I don't know the answer. I don't know how she knew. Could it be, my strong sense is, that God was at work in this lady's life? And don't you many times get a sense about that? God is doing something here. Amen. This lady in the midst of giving up hope, what if she had a sense that God was affirming in her heart. So I'm going to take care of you. I'm speaking to you. Being single is hard. But that last part leads us to this. God has a message for those single parents. Verses 13-14, through 14, it says, Then Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go. Do as you have said, but make me a little bread cake from it first, And bring it out to me, and afterwards you may make one for yourself and for your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bowl of flour, say it, shall not, say that, shall not. The bowl of flour shall not be exhausted, nor shall the jar of oil be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain on the face of the earth. In the midst of this very difficult situation, Elijah gives this single mom a message from God. First thing he says is do not fear. Write that down. Do not be afraid. How many times in the Bible does God say do not be afraid? It's often quoted that there are 365 instances in the Bible of do not fear. To be honest with you, that sounds nice. That's that's a real... um, Fun thing to share, but honestly, I don't know if it's been documented. I cannot tell you that that there are 365 exact instances, because many times people say, then God's given us one for every day of the year, right? And so that's kind of a cool thing to say, but honestly, I can't say it. But I can tell you this, there are hundreds of instances in the Bible of God telling someone, you do not have to be afraid. Isn't that awesome? Maybe that's the message God had for you and come into this service. A single parent, though. What if you told a single parent, don't worry! Don't worry! You don't have to be afraid. Single parents can say, huh? What? How could I not be concerned? I've got bills to pay. I've got children to feed. I've got no hope inside." But that is exactly what God told this single mom. And that is the message that the Lord has for each one of us. You do not have to be afraid. Over and over in the Bible, God tells us, "Do not fear; you do not have to be afraid." I think the reason God would say, "Do not fear" or "You do not have to be afraid," is because we fear. Amen. Because we get afraid. And God, the first message He had to this single mom, even though it was totally would not make sense, it totally was not intuitive for her. Everything in her had gotten very practical, very real. Something's got to happen here. Or this ain't going to work out. And God said, "You don't have to fear." And the reason you don't have to fear write this down is because God told her you need to trust me by faith. Again, I can imagine God telling a single mom, don't be afraid, don't worry, just trust God. What? Huh? You know, all you people that, you know, maybe it's going good for you, all that spiritual stuff, it, it's OK, Right when things are going well, but this is real. If something doesn't happen, we are not going to make it. Isn't that what she would have said? That's literally what she thought was happening. She thought that they were just moments away, days away from losing everything. And here's what trusting God by faith looked like for this lady. Now listen to me. Trusting God by faith. that, That phrase means it ain't going to be your way. Okay, can we go ahead and get that on the table? Trusting God by faith means that it ain't going to be my way. I'm sure this lady would not have chosen this. Make your last meal. I know, that's all you got. Go ahead, make that last meal just like you said, but give it to me first. What was God saying? Symbolically, Elijah wasn't, so kids a like, man, that was kind of selfish. No, it wasn't about Elijah, and he wasn't being selfish or self-serving. God was using him to challenge her. Symbolically, giving it to God's servant was really challenging her to give it to who? To give it to God, to, to trust the Lord. And after that, after you do that, now friends, this is so important. This is rubber that meets the road. This is living it out. This is not warm and fuzzy goosebumps at church and then go home and get real and practical later. This is God is in our real world. And we've got to learn to operate more God's way than our way. Make your meal. Give it to God first. And after that, trust that there will be enough for the two of you. And if you trust that, this is what God says He will do for you. You will have enough for you. And in fact, as long as this famine lasts, you will always have food to eat. Wow. Can I just say something here for all of us? Yes. God calls us to step out in faith. But if you think about it, doesn't God many times even in faith make it easier on us than we tend to think? Think about it for just a moment. She was going to die either way. If she did it her way without trusting God, she'd have got one more meal and then died, right? If she trusted God and He didn't come through, all she had been short was a meal, she would have died anyway, right? So either way, she was going to die. God just says the only risk she was taking was to not get her last meal. But if she trusts to go with that last meal, God promised to save her life. There's two big applications I want to make here. We say that, listen friends, we say that we follow God, but when things get hard, many times we get very practical. I'm sharing this with you as your pastor because this is very real. When things get hard... Listen, friends, we try to make it happen. We try to figure it out ourselves. And many times in a tizzy, we try to do it. We try to do something quick. Oh, things are tough. That means I got to go get a second job right now. Well, things are tough. That means I got to I got to I got to get a bunch of overtime right now. I got to make something happen. Now, Listen, sometimes God does call you go get another job and go produce some more income. Okay, right. That is sometimes a responsible thing to do. What I'm challenging us to do is to not do that immediately. Many times. God wants to help us, but we cut Him off at the pass. Many of you have maybe heard me share this story before about a single mom once who who was struggling and our church family was ministering to her. And she said, Pastor Robbie, I need a car. Will you, would you guys pray for me that God will provide a car for me? We said, Absolutely. And we were praying for that car. Well, the next day, somebody called me and said, I have a car. And I want to give it away. Do you know anybody that needs a car? And I said, Oh, yes. This is going to be so fun. And I called up the single mom. And I said, hey, how are you doing? Hey, I've got good news. I decided to just go out and just trust God and finance a car. I said, well, I'm glad to hear that you've got it taken care of. Talk to you later. She never knew that God provided a car for her. How often? Again, it's not wrong necessarily. to find. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that many times we cut God's provision off at the pass. Don't just jump straight to, well, I just got to do something. I just got to make something happen. And we are so prone. And God bless you. Some of you are very industrious, very hardworking, very resourceful people. And it's just, we got to get it done. Amen. We, it's got to happen. And maybe it does need to happen. But at least pause and say, God, I'm going to be still, and I'm going to ask you to speak to me. And you show me, is this your course of action? Is this your course of action now? Should I wait? Do you hear me? Just taking those moments to, to be still for just a minute instead of trying to do it ourselves. The other aspect of this that the Lord really spoke to me about as I was reading these verses, is very practical, very real, in our giving, in our, in our tithing to the Lord. Think about what the Lord said to this lady. We do the opposite of what the Lord said to this lady. We wait and see what we have left, and then we give it to God. The Lord says, give it to me before you see it, and then I will provide for you. That goes against every fiber in our being, doesn't it? I cannot do that. But I will. Amen? Amen. And God has never ceased to provide. I've never hurt anybody. I've never hurt anybody. And that's why we give you guys that tithing challenge. Because God said, Test me. That's the only place in His Word. Test me now in this and and see if I won't provide for you. That is amazing. But many times we get very practical, don't we? I want to challenge you. God's message to you as a single parent, God's message to all of us is you don't have to be afraid. You might be afraid, but you don't have to stay there. Amen? If you will trust God, He has promised. It is based upon His Word and His character. He has promised to take care of those who trust in Him. And if you'll make that decision, I've got some good news for you. And this is for single parents and this is for everybody. The Lord is faithful. Amen. Amen. I need another one. More than Barry, thank you, brother. I'm gonna say the Lord is faithful again, and I just want a bunch of spontaneous Amen, Amen. The Lord is faithful. Amen. amen. Every time there's some places in God's word where it says that, and every time I read, I just stop and say, Amen. I just forget about what I was reading for just a minute. I just say amen. Amen. The Lord is faithful, amen. amen. One of the most difficult things about being a single parent is that somebody very likely has let you down, has not come through, has not been faithful, has left you alone, whatever. Something happened and that father, that mother that was supposed to be involved is not involved. Somehow they've let you down in some way. It may not even be that they did something wrong. In this lady's case, her husband just died. That wasn't necessarily his fault. I don't know the circumstances. But at some point, write this down, no one can meet all of our needs or always take care of us or help us except the Lord. Look at what happened to this lady in verses 15 and 16. So she went and did according to the word of Elijah. I love that. So she just did it. That doesn't sound like me. Does it you? She just went and did. God told her to do it. She just did it. Right? Right? Is that what I do? I think about it. I pray about it. I chew on it. I decide if I want to, right? This precious lady, she just went and did according to the word of Elijah, according to the word of the Lord. And she and he and her household ate for many days. Every time I read that story, I think about um, when Shannon and I, when we were going through, I was getting my master's degree. We never... I mean, we never had a lot of money. I was, I was working two or three jobs and going to school full time. But we never did without food. But there was one time that I remember that we literally were down to the last thing in the refrigerator. And a young couple that was in a Bible study class with us knocked on the door. We didn't even know they were moving. Knocked on the door and said, Hey guys, we're moving to Ohio and we got a bunch of stuff in our freezer and we were just wondering if y'all maybe could use it. And I'm not kidding you. That stuff is probably still in our freezer. It never. I'm not kidding you. I kept going back. I told Shannon, have we eaten any of this stuff? That's what happened to this lady. She gave the Lord her, her, her flour. She gave the Lord her water. And God, she ate for many days. The bowl of flour was not exhausted. Don't read this. Like a fairy tale. Don't read this like a Greek myth. This is real. A real single mom who didn't know where food was going to come from trusted God and God continued to provide for her daily. Probably to her surprise. Yes. But God really did this. Nor did the jar of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord which He spoke through Elijah. She went, she did, and God did. Amen? What did He do? He provided for her and for her son. That's real, isn't it? That's real. God really does. Some of you don't know this. Listen, I'm encouraging you. I remember a time in my life where I didn't know. I remember a time in my life where I trusted other godly people, but I had never really put my life on the line. And so I trusted the word of other guys. I rode their coattails. They trusted God. God provided. There was a freezer. It was empty. God filled that freezer and it never got empty. I heard those stories and I rode their coattails, but I had never had it happen for me. And some of you are in that place and it's time for you to step out. I'm not talking about be dumb and lose everything and trust God to provide. I'm not talking, that's what we're saying. I'm saying whatever your issue, your challenge is to step out and trust that God really does provide. He does, friends. I cannot tell you how many times, in very specific ways, sometimes I'll share with people things that God has done. Oh, you're so lucky. Oh, you're so lucky. Oh, no. Oh, no, no. Let's be very clear here. We're trusting God, and He has always provided for us. I'm serious. Some of you are missing some amazing stories because you're still holding back. When it gets to where you can't quite handle it, we're not quite ready for that yet. That's fine, but you're missing out. You're missing some of the best stories of your life. God is faithful, amen? amen? Amen. Let's think about some of the things that the Lord is teaching us through this widow. Write these down. First of all, look to God no matter what the situation No matter what your situation, look to the Lord. What does that mean? If you've never given your life to Jesus, that's it. Look no further. You've got to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. You've got to say, God, I know I need you. I've been trying to do it on my own. I'm not going to try it anymore. I'm not going to pretend. I'm not going to fake it. I can't do it. I need you to forgive me. I need you to come into my life. Please save me and be my Savior. Then what does that mean? To look to God, it means, are you seeking Him diligently? Especially in that hard time in your life. Now, I understand if you're a single parent, that has to be a little bit creative, right? How does a mom, period, much less a single mom or dad, how do they get along with God? How do they get along, period, amen? I've shared with you before, many moms, and this is no joke, it may sound funny, but many moms, I hear the story about going to the bathroom to get a little peace. Even to spend time with the Lord. And just tell the kids, can you please go away? Can I at least have some peace in here? So you might have to be creative, right? Maybe you need a podcast. Maybe it's while you're moving. Maybe it's while you're washing those dishes. Maybe it's while you're driving to work. I don't know how it's going to work out, but God, I need to hear from you. Amen? And are you involved with this people? I didn't say, do you come to church? Now, if you aren't, coming to church, maybe that's a step for you. But it's more than that. Why? Well, the second thing, you need to let other people be God's servants in your life. This is certainly speaking to the single adult, the single parent, but really all of us. How do we let God work in our lives? We need to let other people be God's servants in our lives. As a single parent, you need to build a team for your kids. The Lord wanted to help this single mom, so He sent who? Isn't that interesting? Did God need Elijah? But isn't it interesting that God very rarely does it without sending one of His servants? She needed some other people in our lives. We all need other people. Being a single parent just kind of makes that more apparent. And it may take some creativity, but God is faithful. Amen? Amen? your extended family especially. Maybe if you've got a little boy and you're, and you're a mom, maybe you need those, those uh, uh, uncles or, or granddads or uh, someone of the opposite sex to give that influence in their life. And obviously today, we've got to be a little bit careful about that. We've got to be thoughtful about that, even sadly with family. But still, we need that extra support, don't we? We need those coaches. We need those teachers. We need those mentors. Again, maybe someone of the opposite sex from you so that they can, your child can get that kind of... Again, be careful. We need to be thoughtful in today's world about how we do that. You need your youth pastor. You need your children's pastor. You need ministry leaders. And by the way, we're being careful with you about that in those regards because we understand some of the dangers and challenges today. But There's got to be a way to provide that for your children. Amen? It's family. Almost 100 people got here together for Thanksgiving. Wonderful. Wonderful. We can be brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles and cousins and nieces and nephews. Amen? Third thing is accept God's healing and don't focus on the problems. When God gave her help, she took it. Life can be very, very hard for a single parent. And you do need places that you can go vent from time to time where you can hurt or where you can struggle. But friends, listen, bitterness and resentment... Number one, does not help your relationship with God. It can block your relationship with other people because nobody really wants to be around somebody who's always bitter and resentful. Now, that's not to say we can't struggle, but I'm just saying from your point of view, if you want other people to be in your life, you've got to think about that. And then the worst thing is it can harm your relationship with your child. Especially if you don't find a healing. Friends, listen, I know... I've seen, I've been through some of these things. I know for you personally, you've been through some potentially some intense, hard, terrible, bad things. But at the end of the day, you've got to either struggle with that with other people and ultimately find healing or that's going to hurt your child. Remember, yes, you've got feelings, but they do too. The next thing is give your kids to God. Boy, this mom did, didn't she? This mom gave her kids to the Lord. I know that many times single parents feel like we're operating at a disadvantage. But you have to trust, listen, that grace, grace can do more with your seeming little than you could have done on your own with on paper a lot. Do you hear me? I realize that maybe your son or your daughter can only be here a couple of times a month at church or involved in youth group or one or whatever. But listen, even people that have two-parent homes sometimes only come that much. And I'm not saying that's great, but I'm saying God still works. Amen? So let's take what we got and let's trust that even though it might seem like a little, that God can do a lot with a little. That's an understatement. God can do a lot with a little. Amen? Amen? Now, what does that mean? To give your kids to God. I would have my kids involved with children's ministry or youth group as much as possible. Exposing them to other people that are reinforcing the things that you are teaching and encouraging. At home, you've got that team that you're building. And then get your kids involved with serving. Y'all have heard me share this before. I believe a secret weapon in life is getting involved in serving. If you teach your kids to serve, they're going to learn lessons and they're going to see God work in ways that will override a lot of the junk that you're concerned about. If you don't know what else to do, bring your kids with you as you serve God. Can I get amen? amen? By the way, you need to know, listen, listen, this wasn't a happily ever after. This this was not this mom's last challenge, nor was it her worst. She almost lost her son to a famine, but in the next few verses after this, if you read ahead, she literally lost her son. Her son died. But we have the first instance in the Bible that I know of, of God bringing back someone from the dead. Now listen, on one part of that, what we tend to focus on is, why do we have to go through that? Why do we have to see our son die? And yes, he's back, but why do we have to go through that? When it could be, wow, this is the first time in history God's ever demonstrated that, and he chose our little family. We got to be a part of that. Amen? Do you see the difference? Yes, it was a hard situation, but God was blessing this widow, this single mom and her son with the opportunity to have a front row seat to the power of God in this world. You also need to know something else important. This lady didn't know it, but God was up to something much bigger. God was at work in Israel in a great way, and He was using Elijah to do much of that work. In this famine, God was showing that He could provide, even through a single widow. And listen, right in the midst of that Zarephath, where he went, the place that they were supposed to trust Baal, God used a single widow to provide for needs in the midst of a famine. God doesn't need that false god Baal. Amen? God was doing that. She didn't know that. God was doing something bigger. And even bigger than that, the New Testament shows us that Elijah is a part of God's much bigger one. He's one of the most important prophets in all of history, in all the world. And this lady and her son got to be a part of God rescuing His prophet, keeping Him alive a little while longer and using Him to speak to a nation, a nation that it was going to use to speak to the world and to bring about the Savior. Wow! She didn't know all that until she got to heaven. Man, it was a pain. We got down to that last little drop of flour. That was scary. Well, wow, God was working. And my son and I, in our lifetime, got to be a part of the work of God. And I want to encourage you single parents. I'm not trying to glorify it all because it's hard. Amen? Amen? It's hard. Day in and day out. But God specializes in taking what seem to be the most challenging circumstances and bringing about His greatest glory. Single mom and dad, I'm not saying it's fun. I'm not saying it's easy. But it is. It is, right? So let's take what we got and say by the grace of God, by the power of God, Our family is not God-forsaken. God's going to give us strength. These children have a purpose. My life has a purpose. And we're going to be a part of the work of God in this world. Now, it may have to be creative. It may not be always what you want. The ways that you would want. Maybe even what people expect. But you're going to have to trust God just to help you. Amen? And God's story says that even the most unlikely people can be used for God's great, big... If you read, I can't get into it, but Elijah is even a part of God's work in wrapping up this world. It's incredible. I want to ask us to bow our heads for a few moments as we wrap up our time around God's Word. I hope that if you are a single parent, certainly it is complicated. And it's downright hard. Maybe you came to this service just saying, God, I need you to speak to me. And I pray that He has. If you trust me, you don't have to be afraid. I will help you. And you're going to make it and your children are going to make it. Will you trust Him? Just very simply, will you trust Him? The one blessing in situations like that many times, and many of the ones we're going to talk about in this series, is we don't have a choice, do we? We know we need God. We cannot do it on our own. So why don't you come to Him right now? Why don't you say, If You've never given your life to Jesus. Jesus, I can't do this. I can't live this life by myself. And I thank you that you never intended that I would. And I ask you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, and to be my Lord and Savior. I surrender my life to you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Father, I thank You for maybe someone here that had just about given up hope and You spoke to their heart. And I pray for all of us, Lord, whether we're single parents or not. Lord, life is hard. It's complicated. There's junk and stuff and garbage and difficulty. But thank You that You are at work in mighty ways if we will trust You. And I pray that every person in this room is trusting in You that you would show them that you're going to provide for them, that you are faithful, even when others are not. And Lord, even for that person that needs that check in the mail, that needs that real provision, that needs that flower in the cabinet not to go dry, I know you don't have to prove anything to us, so we're not asking for tests or anything like that. I just pray that in your own way, in a way that they would understand that you would provide for them and you would show them that they can trust you. We love you so much, Lord. Thank you that you are a real God. You're not some fake God that we go to some place that never comes through. Thank you so much, Lord. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.